Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is the online editor of the Weekly Standard, Michael Warren. And Michael, here we are at the end of another amazing week. In fact, someone said to me in the last 24 hours uh, that, that it feels like 1968. That's just the the tone, the volume of events that would in a normal, like the biggest story of this week, excuse me, one of the small stories this week would be the biggest story of a, of a month right. in like 1994 or 2000, you know, maybe not 19, 2001, but you know what I mean? It seems like we're Absolutely. living through momentous times. Would you that, agree? I, I agree. And, uh, I, the only difference between now and 1968 is the music is worse, um, maybe. <laughs> well, you haven't heard the new Monkees album, which I'm not kidding. <laughs> the Monkees released a new album. Weezer wrote a song for them. Another alt band wrote some more songs. It is the best album of the summer. It completely gets you out of the horror wow. of the moment. It's things, poppy and bubblegum and light and great. Things are worse than I thought, Michael. That's, <laughs> that's, that is that listen, is awful. Listen to the new Monkees album. <laughs> she makes me laugh and you, you'll disagree. But, All right. So uh, in this moment where America is producing more history than it can consume, right. what do you think are the biggest, most lasting stories of the week? Well, obviously the first one is uh, uh, everything that has uh, happened this week that culminated in what happened Thursday night in Dallas, the uh, uh, shooting of, I think it was 12 police officers, Uh, five of them ended up dead uh, by at least one gunman who's now uh, presumed dead. Um, And of course, all that that led up to that was, uh, of course, this was all happening during a rally, a protest over the shooting and two separate incidents of uh, black men who were pulled over by police officers who were shot, fatally shot by those police officers. Uh, seemingly, uh, all the evidence shows that there there was no cause for, for that. Uh, and so sort of all of the social uh, uh, problems that, uh, that, that have sort of been simmering over the last couple of years, uh, kind of again coming to the fore here and resulting in what happened Thursday, which is the deadliest day for uh, American police officers since 9-11, which I, I think is... The biggest and, and most lasting story, not just in our politics, but in our culture and, 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 and everything that I think is going to fall over the next several months and years. To me, in it, the, the horror of all the lives lost and there will be arguments about what happened in uh, Louisiana in particular since the guy lying on the ground with the two officers on him did have a gun at the time. Right. Uh, that one in particular, people want to debate. And, and, and so you, the lives lost stopped me. But this, to me, what makes this even more horrific, awful, depressing is I can't seem to get many of my fellow Americans to hold two ideas at the same time. One is that uh, there is a problem of crime in the black community. It's true. It's real. It's disproportional. You, you can't argue the numbers. But there is also a problem with the way that black men are treated by the police day in and day out. Both of those are true. We need police reform and we need to to find a strategy to fight the uh, crime, crime problem in American black urban communities. And yet all we have, it seems to me, is screaming, well, if black people wouldn't commit crimes, this wouldn't happen. Other people saying, well, if cops weren't Klan members, this wouldn't happen. Right. And I want to grab both of these stupid people and you rattle their heads. Is there is there is there a political public policy way forward on this? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I, I think the uh, the exactly what you just described, the yelling and screaming, the sort of frustration of, mm-hmm. of people who say, well, can't we hold all of that, I think, indicates uh, that the answer is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why 
we are still struggling with this. Uh, that's why we can't seem to reach a solution uh, because there, there are no easy answers here because the, the truth is uh, somewhere uh, in the middle of where everybody kind of is, where everybody have, has have retreated to their corners. Um, and this is where I think uh, the, the, the biggest problem of our age, if I can get a little philosophical here, is sort of a lack of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing on the presidential election level. Um, that's what we're seeing in Congress. That's what we're seeing on, uh, you know, among uh, sort of media and community personalities, uh, sort of a lack of, uh, of understanding uh, that, that we have to sort of step out of our um, – our, our areas of comfort or our sort of tribes, if you will, mm-hmm. and sort of lead a nation. Um, people are going, is this nation even leadable anymore? Is this, is this a country that even has shared values? Uh, and I think what's, uh, what's most frightening about all of this beyond the sort of uh, prosaic uh, concerns about people who are dying un, uh, needlessly and wrongly is uh, where is – uh, where is the leadership? Where's the person? Where are the people who are standing up and saying this? There, there are some. There are some people who are trying. I think uh, if you saw spe- uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, you saw President Obama. I think uh, both of those uh, are, are men who gave uh, uh, probably the best speeches they could have. Uh, one uh, over in Europe, where the President Obama is, and, and the other, uh, Paul Ryan, on the House floor. Um, but there's something still missing out of there, and and in some ways, they are both representative of this problem of a lack of leadership in their particular institutions. I don't know what the answer is, um, and, and there's a feeling now that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, one of the problems for President Obama is that because he has chosen again and again to step into racially charged moments and put his thumb on the scales of justice – it makes his comments less legitimate. The fact that he seems to always want to gravitate towards his personal political items like gun control, not able to set those aside for a couple of days. He can't do it. That's that right. hurts. But speaking of thumbs on the scale of justice. <laughs> <laughs> nice transition. There, Michael. Uh, I like that. Uh, FBI director James Comey put his thumb, his fist, and then a stack of Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> on the scales of justice, <laughs> considering the case of uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, what were the takeaways and the lingering impacts of both the uh, director's decision and then the congressional hearings that followed? Well, if you were to listen to James Comey's press conference on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday, uh, and cut out the audio of the last minute, you would have thought, well, Hillary Clinton is uh, screwed. Slap the cuffs on her. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, in, in a way, James Comey made the uh a better case than any Republican politician could have made that Hillary Clinton is not to be trusted with uh, with the reins of power based on uh, her sort of cavalier and uh, and probably uh, malicious uh, misuse of her power as as Secretary of State. Um, that being said, that's not what most people are going to take away from this. The, the the takeaway is what he said in that last minute, which is that he's not recommending uh, the Department of Justice bring charges against her, criminal charges against her. That's what the Department of Justice has now said uh, is is going to happen. Loretta Lynch is not going to bring charges, and so here we have a, uh, a someone who has basically done everything right up to the line of uh, of likely criminal activity, uh, but. But but the 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 actual action of of taking charge against charges against her um, is 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 just not happening, and so and so y- y- there is this sort of disconnect about whether or not 
the rule of law even still exists, at least for the people at the very top. Uh, and so this is, uh, I think, in the short term, is is not going to have the devastating effect that Republicans would like for it to have on her presidential chances. Um, but the thing I would be more worried about is what is the effect of, of this non-indictment mm-hmm. on people's trust in their institutions at a time when that's very precarious. I think it's only going to get worse is and, the theme, I think. And, of it the goes, week. and it goes back to the, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter versus defending the police conflict is if you don't believe that there's going to be the rule of law, then mobs, people are more likely to take matters in their own hands. If you don't believe that the police officer who shot an unarmed teenager is going to be punished, then you get angry and things happen. Conversely, if you don't believe that the police can get a fair trial because, say, the president of the United States has made a speech, whatever. And and so I agree. Having Hillary Clinton openly flaunt the rule of law is, uh, you know, adds to the problem. And I think that the win for the Trump campaign out of the Hillary mess is it affirms his fundamental premise, which is you can't trust these SOBs. They're all a bunch of crooks. The system's broken. You need a total outsider. I think the other win for the Trump campaign is if there was any hope that the Clintons had of getting her trust numbers back up slightly above that of open grifters and Nigerian email scammers, it's done. I mean, I thought the one thing the Republican hearing the hearings Republicans held really did by having Comey repeat again and again that was not true. What she said was not true. It is now cemented. The FBI director has called Hillary an inveterate liar. Right. And so that is the the solid, which brings us to topic number three. Look at those big softballs pitched over the plate to uh to Donald Babe Ruth Trump. <laughs> Am I wrong, um Michael, did we not get nothing but whiff, whiff, whiff at the plate? Yeah, not not only that, uh, not only did he strike out uh, swinging uh, at those, but I mean, it, in a way, he scored runs for the other team, <laughs> and implausibly, how do you do that if you're if you're on? I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. But you know, Donald Trump's changing the rules, uh, really, in in many ways. Um, yeah, I mean, you have this uh, this as you say, these softballs being being thrown in Donald Trump's direction, and what does he do? He uh, it brings back up this sort of controversy about the whether he tweeted a or he did tweet a image of the Star of David uh, from an alt right a sort of white supremacist group, uh, and he brings up the the subject basically after it had been wiped from the uh, the news narrative right. uh, because of what happened with Hillary Clinton. He brings it up and basically says oh, we we shouldn't have apologized for it. We shouldn't have uh, we we should have defended it because actually it was just a sheriff star. I mean this is Donald Trump. Would if if Hillary Clinton could make up an opponent in the lab, she couldn't have come up with one that was more advantageous for her than Donald Trump. And, and so you do have to wonder: Does Donald Trump even understand that what he's been given here? Um, I, 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 the other problem I think with Donald Trump is, is, is sort of not taking advantage of this is something Fred Barnes pointed out on on the Weekly Standard uh, website this week, which is that. Uh, the press is not going to care about this Hillary Clinton uh, issue anymore because in their minds, it's 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 done, right? 
she's was not indicted, and so the story is over as far as they're concerned. The only re- way they would have still been covering the story is if Donald Trump had made it the focus of his campaign speeches over you know the the, the, the ensuing few days, and he didn't. Instead, the story was he's defending this Star of David uh, anti-Semitic uh, tweet and any of the other things that he was defending, and not talking about this. That's a problem for Republicans who uh, actually do want to defeat Hillary Clinton. Okay, these these few topics, any normal week, these would be huge topics. Let me, just right. ru- let me just run these by you. First, the meeting that Donald Trump had with the Senate where he reportedly was threatening senators who didn't defend them, like Senator Flake of Arizona, because <laughs> he's trying to make friends. Or trying to else. unite yeah. uh, or else. Right, right. Unite <laughs> or die. So is is this a switch? I mean, uh, is Donald Trump going to change at all? Isn't it time for everybody to admit whether you love him or hate him, the Donald Trump you got is the only Donald Trump you're going to get? That's right. And I think most people get that except for Republicans in Washington and they're sort of holding out hope that he will change. And and you're absolutely right that that, that incident, uh, I think he said Jeff Flake, the senator from Arizona, who's been very critical of Donald Trump, stood up and, uh, and, and, and to speak at this luncheon. Donald Trump said, oh, you're the one who's been so critical of me. And Jeff Flake responded, uh, uh, according to the reports, yes, I'm the senator from Arizona who was not captured, uh, referencing Trump's uh, right. dismissal of John McCain's capture in Vietnam, <laughs> to which Trump apparently said, oh, yes, you're a loser and you're going to lose your election this year. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff Flake isn't even on the ballot this year. So. He's going to lose anyway. Yeah, he's, gonna, he's such a loser. Yeah, he's going to lose, lose that election. Lose a race. He's not even running That's it. That's right. And, and, uh, and I think that <laughs> that's sort of indicative of uh, – and it should have been indicative to any of those senators who were, were sitting in that room that this guy, Donald Trump, cares not one whit about – the Republican Party, and yet he's demanding that the Republican mm-hmm. Party put all of its eggs in his basket. Um, I think, uh, I think, I think that if if you didn't know it by this week, and you're a Republican in Washington, <laughs> you should have figured it out by now. And and if you haven't figured it out by now, I can't help you. Which brings us to the other. Once again, would be a huge story. You know, there've been a lot of VP ideas for Donald Trump floated around. Right. Some were non-starters. Uh, you know, they just were never going to happen. Joni Ernst was never going to sign up. Her political career put them Bob in Corker. Yeah, Cork not going to go along. The weird thing about the Ivanka Trump bubble is that it's a bubble. I mean, it, it was a you know who he ought to make as vice president Ivanka Trump. That's the kind of thing like during campaigns, wives, daughters, family members, people always say, "I don't you know who ought to run? It's not Mitt. It ought to be his right, aunt. right, you right." Know? By the way, I love Ann Romney. She's a wonderful person. Um, and that then you laugh and ha ha ha. They're not laughing and ha ha haing. I mean, this is how warped reality has be- been by right. the gravitational pull of the political dark hole that is <laughs> Donald Trump. Is people going, well, she will be thirty five by the time she'd be right. sworn in. Here, my uh, question is: so does does Donald Trump claim residency in Florida and Ivanka in New York? Is that oh, how it works? Right, because they, they have to be from separate states. That's constitutionally required. Exactly. But you know, the Constitution is it's, it's so It's kind of sad. You know, it's kind of <laughs> lame. Uh, you know, it's really getting in the way of the people getting what they want, which is Donald and Ivanka, uh, the the dynamic so duo. The fact that people are taking that seriously. Of course, I don't think it's going to happen. I still think it's going to eventually end up in the crazy bin where it belongs. Right. What does that say about the 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 crew of people who are left? I mean, is it the case that Trump doesn't have an impressive VP to go to? Is it the case that Donald Trump maybe has a strategy of, I really do want to shake the box and, and that that strategy is going to 
carry through and, the, and that we are going to end up with an unexpected, you know, Veep. It's just not going to be his daughter. Right. Uh, look, I think Donald Trump is uh, well-versed and well-educated in the ways of reality television. And I'm not admitting what my reality television appetite is. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Michael, 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 we, we, we're going to keep that <laughs> off the record. Uh, but but, you know, there there is this element of uh, misdirection, of surprise within reality TV. You know, wait till you see what happens. You go to the, the shot right. of the of the person you think might be voted off mm-hmm. and then you go to commercial break because you don't know, oh, are they going to be voted off or not? Uh, and, and I think that. Uh, and this is, in all seriousness, this is the game that Donald Trump is right. playing uh, with his VP pick. It's uh, sad and pathetic, I think, that this is what uh, such an important constitutional position has been reduced to in a reality television contest. Uh, but I think that's what we're kind of seeing in terms of the the PR, the sort of building up the excitement or interest in this choice. And that's why you're seeing the misdirection of, oh, why couldn't it be Ivanka and why it's almost being taken somewhat seriously. Uh, that's that's the explanation. It's, it's not a, a happy one, but that's what I got for you. Look, uh, fans of the movie The Dark Knight know exactly how he's picking his Veep. He's going to break the pool stick in half, drop the two pieces in front of three people and say, I've only got one job. And then someone's going to come out of there and they'll be the vice president. We're going to have tryouts. <laughs> you can just see Donald Trump with the uh, you know with the uh, makeup doing, ladies the, uh, and gentlemen, you just heard Michael Warren doing his best, the Joker. No, that that was not my best. Uh, again, best? we'll take this off the air, off, off the, the air. I'll do my best Joker okay, impression. Great. But that was great. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to tune in, particularly during the weeks of the conventions. We'll be doing bonus podcasts and bonus posts at WeeklyStandard.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.